Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. on everyone this is the go long podcast live at hamburg brewing company this is kind of our sweet spot in the week now right we're settling in we're settling in on a good time it works for both of us with kids hard to believe right but we have to actually make adjustments to our schedule and this works you gotta align the naps right that that's a sweet spot and we're we should be napping right now right (laughs) you're supposed to nap when your kid naps but Hey. What's well, Cully Week? You know, when it's Cully Week, it's you got to step it up a notch. It's what everybody's talking about in the NFL Everybody. right now. Everybody's talking about Cully's return <laughs> to Buffalo. I tell you, I you know, I wrote about a little bit on the Monus Report on Go Long today, but I really do. David Cully is one of the best people you'll ever meet. Um, right. He takes time. If you're a scout, if you're visiting coach watching practice he will spend time with you the history when you study what he's done and his whole history of his career um just really impressive guy um really great golfer tennis player oh yeah and he'll let you know too he likes to talk but um this is gonna be fun this week to see how the bills treat a rookie quarterback like i know we've been talking about rookie Mm -hmm. quarterbacks a lot but you know, Bill Belichick's famous for going against rookie quarterbacks and shutting them down. And, and McDermott definitely will take some pride in shutting Davis Mills down this week. And he will. Um, but anyway, I think this is going to be a, I think this is another good game for the Bills to put up some right. numbers. And they, they, their schedule's been nice here right now. Well, and suddenly it's the easiest schedule in the <laughs> NFL. Statistically, it was that. put out there this week. And I, before the season, I remember looking at it thinking, tough, this is a tough schedule. You're thinking maybe Deshaun Watson. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. Or even Tyrod. Tyrod. Even if it was Tyrod. Now, that would be – now we'd be talking about a nice little story this week. They're, they're deprived of Fitz and Tyrod. Oh, we missed out weeks, on it. You know? That's a good point. I forgot about Fitz, too. But, yeah, the Bills will probably win big. Uh, we'll t- touch on that a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think this podcast, which is brought to you, as always, by Hamburg Brewing Company, um, drinking a little hoptimonium here. Come on in. It's hoodie season. Just like that, it, it goes right to hoodie season. Gotta love it. I like Hoodie it. and brewery season. I like it. So we'll talk uh, Brett Favre for sure. Uh, Bob McGinn has his two-part 10,000-word series and go long. He talked to Brett. He talked with Ron Wolf. He talked to Ken Herrick, the scouts, personnel oh, yeah, people yeah. all over the league. And it's it's only for subscribers, so you have to uh, become a paid subscriber, go long to read it. It's phenomenal. I got it's, – it's, it's maybe the best piece of content I've ever consumed – when it comes to the player that we both idolize as a kid, Brett Favre, it's 
you're gonna find you're gonna read stories you haven't heard before and that's tough no you know a guy there's a book written on him by jeff perlman his hall of fame speech was that marathon epic brought tears to your eyes kind of speech that you you remember where you were when you watched it yes the documentaries the stories i mean i sat down with him in 2014 there's so much in this series that I never that knew you didn't know. and never yeah. heard of, which made it a lot of fun to, to work with Bob. Is, is coming from your side of it and Bob's, are, like for you to, to read stories on Favre and not know that, do, do players, like why would Bob know all this? Is it just hit Bob doing research or does Favre have a respect for Bob? Yeah. Maybe that, is, is that how it works? I mean, I, I, you try to wonder how does Bob get this stuff? It's a combination. Yeah, all that. Okay. If I've learned anything, like I've said on here, he was like a Green Bay dad. Yeah. Right. It's, for it four years like living in Wisconsin, I'd go to his house for our podcast, but we would just uh, we just hang out too. I mean, honestly, God, when I broke up with my girlfriend, like first instinct, go to Bob's. We went went to Bob's, cracked open some beers, so and he, talked about it for like five six hours. <laughs> it was and Pat, his so wife, who was incredible, counselor. counselor mentor mentor um but anytime i was over there it was like something new would just completely blow me away i mean his office has like physical files on files on (laughs) files i mean like an attorney's office it is i mean the mcginn files so that's that's (laughs) That's why far uh series is 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 part of since 1985 he has scouting reports and not his own these are people in the nfl like yourself jim because they and they used to write them and then he would get copies of them he is would, that they would just they yeah, trusted him they trusted and him. he got in early with a lot of these scouts and he's got um files and files on every single player drafted in the nfl since 1985 so when we're trying to think of who we should do a piece yeah. on first to go along it's brett Favre and um he, yeah, I mean, he covered Brett from day one. He, he saw every pass he's ever thrown. He was there 92 against the Bengals when he takes over for Don Mikowski. I remember the game. He was there in the 2009 NFC Championship when your New Orleans Saints I remember beat the that bloody very hell out well. of him. Um, and I think Brett does. I think there's a lot of that trust. I think he does know where Bob's coming from and appreciates. Yeah. But me and Bob approach the job similar but different. Like, I'm kind of more of the, you know um, – storytelling the human like yeah, the non-x's no stuff right and he does a lot of that really well but his x's knows and how he sees it's, the game as a scout players really appreciate yes. i think far like remembered that when he called him for this but then it's the research too i mean he was pulling out quotes from his files from years ago for this series and not to give too much away but like i really didn't know the extent of that hip injury that he suffered no, in that car accident that's scary out of southern miss how and then the other part, that's scary. And then the Glanville stuff, you know, there's just like the thing that you take a quarterback to second round and the head coach hates him. In the moment he hated him. Like Ken Eric, the, the, they take him and he's excited that they're getting Brett Favre. Well, Jerry Glanville is, is pissed. Well, I did see that in Buffalo when we told Greg Roman, we took Cardell Jones. Uh, Greg Roman was basically just said, nodded his head and, that was it. Pretty upset, yeah. When you wanted Dak Prescott. Well, that that Greg Roman would have been happy with Prescott. That was kind of our our control on that one because he went before us. But Man. but anyway, I have seen it where a coach does get upset on a draft pick, and well, that was that I can remember that. Which is crazy because and he was he was right. 
any draft pick, you know, I you, you guys tell us that everybody was on the same page, right? It was oh, a Bills pick. I so mean. I can't believe that anybody would. We, we, there was, you know, like we said, we knew it was a boomer bust type gamble, but it was, it was a compensatory pick that we couldn't, you know, so yeah. we're like, this is a good one. Just take a shot on a QB with, a, you know, some physical skills. But, but that hip, it was the same yeah, injury that ended right. Bo Jackson's career. And they, even when he got to Green Bay, Ron Wolf waved the, the physical claws, like, cause he, he just wanted them that badly. It's incredible. And the doctor <laughs> give it away a lot, but it, yeah, there's, but there's a lot in there. The doctor for in green Bay told Ron Wolf, like, look, he's, you know, four years tops. I don't even know if I, I, I can't pass him. That doctor did not last in green Bay. Uh, Dr. McKenzie took over and he's been there ever since. I wonder and Brett Favre started more games than anybody in NFL history. It makes me think of if, uh, the, the doctor in Miami that didn't approve Drew Brees' shoulder when Saban was there. And then we got him in New Orleans because we approved it. Now, I don't know how that works medically sometimes, how some teams say he's okay. Some teams don't. That, the medical stuff is fascinating. Yeah. It really is. And to hear that go that far back with how they were okay with his hip, that is just. Well, you know, when Tyrod Taylor is punctured in the lung. Like how? Do we ever get a real story on that? Like, you know what's crazy, though, Jim? And I won't say who it was. Uh, this come a long time NFL veteran who may or may not have been in Buffalo with you. Yeah, yeah. He uh, texted me back after that. And he said, uh, yeah, that happens all the time because these doctors, they've been around forever. You know, they've been with these teams since the eighties and they're not finding new ways to, to, to do things, to do injections, to do surgeries. Everything is so old, 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 old school. You know, some doctors, I think like McKenzie and green Bay, he's very conservative, but he's up with the times he's, He's, he's smart. He's known as one of the best, but there's a lot that just don't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, think about it. Think about <laughs> hernias. Like, you know, we, we've had all these stories about hernias with oh. players in college and the colleges, uh, LaVisca Chenault, DeMar Hamlin, same thing. Like Pitt for Hamlin and Colorado for Chenault. Like they, they, don't they didn't understand what it was. Man, it's scary. And it lingers and lingers and it's tearing off the bone. And they both went to the same doctor in philly known as the crotch oh doc. yeah the crotch. i hear about him so you've heard of, yeah but he's like the one guy that actually really knows what's going on like i can't believe with everything we know teams can still screw it up as badly as they do it, carson wentz earlier this year in training camp it was never going to play right oh my gosh wentz is done starts right away I, it's always very confusing yeah it, but i guess it's just like being a coach or a gm like you know, we all get stuff wrong. Like we mess up draft picks, coaches mess up play calls. You know, it's, you hate to think the medical side of it can be wrong, mm -hmm. but they have the same issues. Brett Favre started more games in a row than anybody in NFL history. It, it, it worked out. And I just want to pull up something real quick, Jim, because I think Please. I could talk Favre all day. And it, it definitely segues into the game of the week uh, for many reasons. Certainly. But, you know, what I just loved maybe more than anything in Bob's series. And, and I think this is kind of what drew us to us, I mean, millions of fans, to Brett Favre is the style of play and and the, the uninhibited passion that he played with. It, you couldn't wait for Sunday. No. You didn't know what the hell was going to happen. He might throw a pick six that's going to crush your crush soul. You. He might come back in the fourth quarter, you know, rifling at 100 miles an hour to Antonio for like, – you just didn't know. And when did you, as Packer fans, because I always felt like growing up as a Packer fan, middle school and high school, I always said every year I already knew it. It was going to be eight and eight. 
that last week maybe where's a chance that you needed five things to happen right for Green Bay to sneak in the playoffs if they won the last game. It was miserable. All of a sudden you get this quarterback finally that is just yeah. all of a sudden we have a quarterback that's running his mouth to Warren Sapp. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wait, who does that? Quarterback's yeah. talking to a D tackle. Like I uh, fascinated, right? That's what I want to bring yeah. up here. So Bob spent a lot of time on that passion and why it was so different. Um, so he wrote what far, this is Bob, what Favre never lost during a career that spanned two decades was his childlike love for competition and his empathy for friend and foe alike. Favre had been a Packer for only a few months when Rich Moran, a veteran guard, found himself surrounded by some drunks in a Green Bay bar. Favre cold cocked one of them. <laughs> in November of 1992, Moran lay on the turf at the Pontiac Silverdome with a torn MCL that ended his season. Favre, the first person to Moran, held the lineman's hand until the medical staff arrived. In 2001, Ravens defensive tackle Sam Adams sat far after a long chase. Favre got up and embraced a 330-pound adversary along the sideline, smiling as he probably congratulated him making a great play. I mean, this goes on and on and on. A month later, defensive tackle Seth Payne. I tweeted this to Seth Payne today. He got a kick out of it. Seth Payne wheeled past Marco Rivera off the snap and had Favre dead to rights for what should have been a sack. Somehow Favre eluded Payne hit his tight end for 16. As Payne walked away, Favre sheepishly gave him five for the great effort and patted him on the backside. <laughs> Mortified, Payne acknowledged the gesture by softly touching Favre's hand. <laughs> like, this is the kind of stuff. It was almost like he would congratulate guys for, yeah. hey, that was that was a heck of a rush, even though you didn't get me. Not just, and not just players. Late in the 31-24 loss to the Lions at the Pontiac Silverdome, fans began chanting, Green Bay sucks, Green Bay sucks catching his breath on the bench. Favre interrupted his coach to pump his left arm in unison with the leather lung fans. <laughs> you can't, like, you can't make, you can't make it. And up. it's not, and that's the thing. There was never anything that came across as fake with Favre. And that's what you knew. That's just who he was. He wasn't trying to be a character. He was, yeah, look, this is how I play. This is my passion. And it was just, it was awesome. Like, And a lot of quarterbacks Oh, are fake. A lot of quarterbacks no care deeply about the narrative of their careers and everything is unbelievably calculated and Favre didn't give a damn. And that authenticity is freaking awesome. Uh, never got old. It never went away. He had it to the last time he played. I mean, yeah. it was, he felt like he could still, he could have just kept playing too. I mean, it was like, it was one of those where you not like some of these guys were watching now who are playing too long. I never felt like Favre was playing too long. No, he could, right? I mean, he still had the physical skill set was still there. He wasn't holding anything back. That arm strength. It never went away. It never went away. It was insane. 09, he took well, 07, obviously, yeah. takes Green Bay to the NFC Championship game. And he gets into his relationship with Ted, which was a lot more complex than I ever knew Ted Thompson. It's remarkable. They knew each other for years and years. And then. Minnesota, he, he thought that that cemented his legacy, what he did with the Vikings that year, right through, and actually pointed to that game against oh. your Saints as the game that cemented his legacy. And everybody probably remembers the interception, right, throwing That's it across his body. But what I didn't know was the penalty before the that. clock management yeah. the penalty. Brad Childress, Brad Childress screwed, him. screwed that game up. Now they fumbled. They they had chances early in that game too. Peterson fumbled. I mean, like I tell you, we talk about on the show. They outplayed the Saints that day. They outplayed us. We shouldn't have won. But yes, those things that you can't. They, the coaching and time management never stops. Men in the huddle, right? Was, yeah, 
I mean, they only needed a few more yards. Yeah. Far off the and we weren't stop, to, we weren't really slowing them down. Yeah. And you're beating the and hell out of them. Now that was the year we were beating up everybody. I mean, we did it to Kurt Warner. We yeah. did it to, I mean, yeah, we don't have to get into that too much. But it, you don't want to talk about Bounty Gage. I don't know much about it, honestly. As far as I honestly think, I watched all our games every game. Right? It, that's how we played. I, I don't think I never to this day think there was a bounty or anything. I don't. Do I think our team was getting after the quarterback and making sure that they the quarterback knew that they, all day long you're going to get hit? Yeah. And you believe that was Greg Williams's default rhetoric? I I heard it. You heard it on a regular a practice, he might say, stuff like that. You know, Greg Williams, anybody that's been around Greg Williams, you don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. Yeah. Half the time, you might not even, you know, you might laugh or just whatever. But let's face it. I mean, what is it? Kill the – Cut the head cut off the, the head snake off and, and the body. The body. I mean, come on. I mean, you can't really even do that in football. I mean – I so, think the specifics of like little twenty something saying, we're going at is ACL, that yeah, kind of stuff. It's a little, it was, uh, I just it was a little rough, a little rough. I, I just, I always stand by that. I don't think anything was done on purpose or cheap, but we're certainly overly ag- aggressive in every playoff game, not just against Favre. And I do think like it's on YouTube. I mean, the whole yeah. speech that was. It was. Does anybody know who recorded that? By the way, I think so. People know. I think. Are they alive? I don't know. Greg um, Williams. I don't like. I, just there was a lot of things going on in that building yeah. that were happy. Yeah, the the recording is just how does that get out? You know, it's just so wrong. Was that like? I wonder were there players, coaches? How many people are in this meeting? You know what I mean? Like, no, this can, it's not a lot. So you can narrow it down. I think you can narrow it down. Call them out on the podcast, Jim. I mean, no, if you want. I, I I don't know. Okay, maybe, <laughs> but. I know it's too. It's look. I love my Super Bowl ring. I love my time in New Orleans. I don't. <laughs> we kind of went down a rabbit hole here. That one, I just I can't in your go defense, there. In the Saints' no, defense, what I'll say is like, if you were to listen to that speech, yes, right, and you're not, and in and you're in your home, and you're not in a locker room, if you're just like displaced from the environment that is a testosterone-filled That's NFL locker room That's where people point. are paid millions to destroy each other. You're right. You take that and put it into any other environment, it sounds terrible. It does. Within that environment. It. Within that environment. Every team. I feel like you hear that. I really do. I think co- certain coach, certain coaches, that's that's every coach has a style. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think coaches that have that style, I think you hear that type of so basically, that's how David Culley is going to be talking to his Texans oh ahead my. of this uh, brouhaha Wouldn't, with the Bills. Can we get in there and record that? I would like to hear that. There are, you know, what's funny is like, there's some coaches if they try, like that's very in character for Greg Williams. But if, if they try, if they tried it, you, players would just laugh right away. You could tell the guys that this yeah. is like Rex. Rex can that's, that's Rex. Rex can do. It. He can say anything, and you're listening. Like Eric Wood would talk about, right? I mean, say whatever. I'm ready to run through a wall after Rex would speak. There's certain coaches that can do it. I, I would say Marone. No. It, it's it's not going to work sometimes. Mike McCarthy had hard knocks when he had the line like, oh, Jimmy F-Stick and I don't know, whatever. And the camera panned to like C.D. Lamb and Zeke Elliott. And just like... I thought they were going to laugh, honestly, because <laughs> it was so weird and awkward yeah. and forced. Forced is a good word. You know? But, uh, but yes, please, everybody out there, um, check out the Favre series. I don't oh, think you'll be disappointed. No. It was a, a lot of fun <laughs> to read. And, and Bob is the best writer to ever cover this game in, in our lifetime Insane. for my money. 
Um, so go longtd.com. You can subscribe. We still have our kickoff deal rolling. So when you subscribe annually, get a t-shirt, be in touch, all that good stuff. Um, so segue here, Jim. I think what everybody can appreciate about Brett Favre, even now, if you lived in Wisconsin and we're booing the hell out of him at Lambeau Every Field, way, yeah. is that desire to want to stick it to your, to X, your team? X team. Wow. Like, you know what I mean? Wow. I, I think that the most hardcore Packer fans a decade removed from that all have to appreciate the fact that Green Bay told Brett Favre, and this is different than the Aaron Rodgers situation, right? Aaron, Aaron Rodgers made it clear he wanted out. Brett Favre wanted in, and the Packers said, no, 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 we've moved on. Um, and as Bob Rowe, he thought that if Favre like, made up his mind right out of that Giants NFC Championship game that they he wanted to stay, they would have kept him and maybe it, even yeah, traded that Aaron Rodgers. That was interesting. Which, who knows what the NFL looks like then. But he, all right, so he says, you know what? All right, I'm going to spend this year with the Jets. going to force my way to the Vikings, <laughs> and I'm going to kick your ass. And that is awesome. Imagine if you get – let go in any profession and you you're that com- the competitive juices are going to be bursting out of you. Um, I just think it's, it's admirable in any walk of life. And now Tom Brady, yeah, the way Bill Belichick put it was like, Oh, he chose Tampa Bay. But I think if circumstances were different, if you know, we don't know what's really going on behind closed doors, but the Patriots seemed kind of ready to move on. They didn't really fight for Tom Brady. It didn't seem like it, right? It didn't feel like it. It didn't feel like it. And and Brady should have wanted out of there. I mean, that team was he he's look, he's if I'm gonna play, if I'm gonna keep playing, I wanna win a Super Bowl. You know, and we're not putting together a roster right now that is gonna do it. He was I I admire that. But I think it's so hard to just go to another team and do what he did in Tampa. And it took you know, let's face it, it took them, we've talked about this too, but it took them to the playoffs to really start yeah. figuring out how they were playing on offense together and really coming in. And we talked about this. I mean, they could have lost to the, the Saints, you know, yeah. the, the Packers. Right. I mean, it wasn't like they just steamrolled through those teams. And, and But it's remarkable to see Brady never really, they don't bat, he doesn't bad mouth the Patriots too much I think he takes subtle little shots that you know that he's excited for you know and and you said I mean there's no question he's going to want to go up there and 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 win and and just he's not going to say it right like Brett Favre didn't come out and say it after the Vikings is this bad for me to say this it's I hate to say this in the whole scheme of the season a non-conference game is pointless like for so when I say pointless for Tampa, say Tampa does lose this game. It will not affect their season at the end of the day. Tiebreakers that on the tiebreaker list, like if you're, if you're in a tiebreak situation out of conference, isn't like at the top of the list. Right. I'm trying to just tell you, like, to me, this is has, you have to like dig down as a Tampa. You're going, you know, the Patriots obviously aren't a team that Tampa is. Okay. They're, they're, they're not a team that's going to – they're not taking the ball down the field right now. They're not dominant running the ball. They're fighting for every yard rushing. Um, you know, defensively, they're good, mm-hmm. but they're not a special defense right now. I mean, this – I guess what I'm trying to say is I just don't think – it's more of the – this is all about Brady going back to New England. 
and is he going to beat the Patriots? It's not like this monumental game that's going to change the season for Tampa or New England. I mean, I mean, all the pressures on Belichick, I think. I mean, Tom Brady won a Super Bowl already. Yeah, I think he already made his point. Right, they could that's lose. Kinda how I, that's kind of how to me. That's how yeah. I look at. It. Like if, if the Patriots beat them, I wouldn't sit there and say that Brady got that ring and could get yeah. another one this year after this game. Even if they lose, the Patriots aren't going to the Super Bowl this year. They're not. The intrigue to me is everything that Bill Belichick did in March, where they spend nearly they, they spent like million they were going to go to the Super Bowl, they right? Did. Or they spent like they thought Cam Newton was going to be healthy, or the old Cam Newton, and he isn't. Do you think that that was in their brain at that point when they're spending all this money on Matthew Judon and yes. Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry? Are they thinking like, no, Cam needs to be healthier and we're going to try to win with him? Yeah, because you couldn't. First of all, when you're picking where they drafted Mac Jones, they didn't know they didn't know they were getting Mac Jones at that pick. You can't know that. OK, you could prepare for it, but you can't know that. The only thing you knew when you were spending that money on the was Cam was our quarterback. Cam wasn't good last year and isn't getting healthier or younger. And that's not the Cam Newton that we all love. I mean, out of college and took Carolina and got Ron Rivera and Sean McDermott head coaching jobs. You know, Cam Newton's the reason these guys are getting jobs. How are they doing without Cam Newton? (laughs) How's Rivera doing? Now, now Sean got his quarterback. So Sean's going to do all right. You got Josh Allen. Your life is so different if Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't go four and four at the end of the 2010 season for the oh bill, right? God. Buddy Nix wanted Cam Newton. Oh yeah. In fact, he I was, was with, was you know, it's funny. Him. I used to, cause I used to see Buddy at all the pro days and, and I remember seeing him at that pro day. It was the worst pro day in the history of football. We all remember it was like a day long. It was remember. so it was like the regular pro day was in the morning. Kind of, you got there in the morning, you get some information, but they didn't, they extend it. was kind of when the NFL network, or ESP, whoever, somebody was covering it kind of for the first time when they started mm-hmm. really covering pro days because it was Cam wanted it. It was a show. I mean, it was prime time. It was almost getting dark. I, I remember like, what are we doing? This is a like the guy's the best player. Like he's going number one. Like who wouldn't take this guy? You know, there is, it is interesting with Cam Newton, too. I wonder. Yeah, maybe physically that was the physically primary you just factor. never saw anything like it. There's he's a lot to handle, too. Like he's he, a lot to handle. I mean, he does an interview with his dad in the middle of a football field no. and says that he thinks his aura would have been a distraction. That's that's one hell of a way to put I, it. Like, imagine any other profession if you were just to say, yeah, they didn't want me. My aura, you know, it was just, the, it was too much of a distraction. In New Orleans, we used, they used to laugh at me because, you know, I wouldn't even, I would just say takecam.com. Like, just take them. Don't overthink this one. I've never seen, like, I, I've never, that was, you know, I was, Still, I was a Southeast area scout. So yeah. I'm like, I, what do you want to, what else do you ever see a guy like this big with this kind of arm that can move like this? Like, I, did, the, did you always know where the ball was going? No. Okay. But, you know, I felt like there was, I felt like he was a good enough passer. And you're, when he's that talented, you're going to put you, up with any of the other crap. Well, what's Whaley always it. say, right? Production yeah. equals tolerance. Completely. And, yeah. and, you know, I know for and a fact. Really, it's not like he was a bad person. No, no, no. He's a lot to handle. He's just a lot to handle. Day in and day. I mean, who gets in fights like he did at practice with Josh Norman? Yeah. Like, it, it's it, it's a lot that you don't, I can't even I think Belichick like, was probably just thinking, all right, like, you're kind of shot, and we're not going to force this. This year. And nobody else picked him up. He can't throw. Like, it's just, anytime you watch him, it's over. Like, it, mm-hmm. I said it last year on the quarterback rounds. Like, he... He was so low. I said, there's no way Cam Newton should ever be this low on any quarterback ranking list. I mean, it's just, it's over. 
does New England have a realistic shot to win this game to you? Yeah, I think anybody can beat anybody, right? Tampa is beat up a little bit on defense mm -hmm. in the secondary, especially. Secondary is maybe is, the worst in the NFL. It's really poorly. It's, it's bad. And they're not exactly getting after the quarterback like they used to. So I, I would never count that's to go out to LA like that, right? National stage, game of the week, pretty much they, they were dominated. If Stafford had a, if Stafford was either overhyped or something in that first quarter, that game was going to be out of hand. He was missing everybody at first, but now you got to go. Now you go up to Foxborough. That's it's in Foxborough. To, right. So you're going back to back away games. That's yeah. always tough. It's, you know, for the Patriots, they're coming off a pretty embarrassing. They just got beat up pretty good by the Saints. So they're going to come out with, they're going to come out tough. I like New England. I don't know if they're going to win the game, but I I'm think with it's going to be a good game. Oh, I'm with you on this. I think it's going to be an entertaining we game. They'll scheme it up. up. They'll scheme it up for Mac Jones. You know, the, Mac Jones didn't play as bad as, as that game against the Saints. Is looked. that right? No, it wasn't. It, it wasn't good. They don't want to throw the ball 51 times. No, that's, that's not going to work. Yeah. It, got, it, got out of, it got out of control, but. Like I said, it wasn't like the Saints sitting there and just dominating. There was some strange stuff was happening in that game, too. I just think this is a game. You saw it in Green Bay at the end. But yeah, McCarthy like, and yeah. Rodgers. E egos. I love, yeah, I love the storylines here. <laughs> I mean, like this, is, this is such a beautiful clashing of egos. Where Brady says, I'm going to go to Tampa. I'm going to get them to sign all these guys. We're going to win a damn ring. They do. Belichick says, all right. I'm going to go spend $300 million on all these players. Just go buy on the cheap on quarterback. You know, maybe, maybe you weren't that important. I, no, but, but give me these guys on defense. Give me these tight ends. I'll figure it out. And we'll be good. And now they play each other. And I know it's one of 17. No, but but right. Brady's is, gonna want it. Brady. They're both they're going to want to want this game more than anything. They're both going to. You're right. No, there's no question. And that's Brady doesn't. He doesn't come across it. He takes any game lightly, like no. ever which is why he's still like, like we talked about before, why is he still even playing football? I mean, what better way to go out than winning a Super Bowl? And here he is back for more. So yes, if he's playing, he wants to win. As you uh, jokingly put, Giselle must just be a hand. Yeah. Right? I don't know if I should have said that, but I couldn't figure out what else is keeping him playing. But <laughs> Got called, got called out. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I didn't, I was kind of just joking. I was just trying to figure out why he wants to still play, but. You're not alone. I've heard that. Okay, around. good. Yeah. So, all right. Tom so Brady memories, anything from facing him four years? You know, I was talking, we were talking about a little bit. I said, it's funny where, yes, we were always getting hyped up. This was measuring stick. You know, we'd be whatever, three and three or, you know, seven and six or six and seven. And this is, here comes Brady. This is our way to put our stamp that we're, yeah. And I always thought Brady's over there. Like, I just want to get this, get me a W somehow and get me out of here. You know, that's how I felt like he was approaching the game where we were like, this is our Super Bowl. This is where we can put ourselves on the map. And we're just trying to fight a way to make in the playoffs. And he's already thinking about the playoffs. So yes, every coach measures themselves on how they play Tom Brady. It was very important to the deep coordinators, Rex Ryan. How many times do we hear him talk about playing Tom Brady? And it was out of respect. Mm -hmm. Like they just respected Brady so much because he was like a coach, you know, going, you know, he's preparing for them just like a coach does. That's how well, that's how much he studies the game. Just like Drew Brees, all those yeah. guys that are so mentally on a different level. So I think that's the challenge for these coaches. They want to see how, how can I beat this guy who is so smart with football? And they were with Tom Brady for X number of years. Yeah. So they know Tom Brady no. and they're, 
it's good. It's going to be a challenge for the for, for Bill Belichick and all of his assistants to stop a guy that they've been facing in practice for two decades. It's going to be. It's going. It's so funny to see that. Like, and there's Mac Jones. Just yeah. You know, he, he's trying to figure out how to get a first down right now. You know, how can I complete? How can I make an easy first down? Where it's that's the difference in the maturity level of the game of football when it when it slows down for you and you like talk Tom Brady, the game is slow for him where right now for all these rookie quarterbacks, the game is just so fast for him. Well, you wrote about that in the bonus report. Um, let's dive right into it then. These rookie quarterbacks, that's a huge storyline right now. I think it's all, I mean, the New York Jets, they didn't even bring in a veteran. They didn't bring in a threat. They didn't bring in that any, was, it was just Zach Wilson's team. That was, um, that was a little strange. Yeah, New and England, they, they, they let Cam Newton go. Um, Jacksonville has this, pseudo well, competition but that was know, Gardner, pseudo, yeah it was which was insane. another reason that team that franchise struggles like you knew he were playing you drafted him number one like come on yeah. you know he's playing it's not a competition justin fields is playing Oof. with maybe a, a jv team Oof. didn't look good himself no, either. He didn't. and trey lance is waiting so i don't know where you want well, to start i but. think that i wrote about that how important culture is but there's no textbook for any of this. I mean, getting in and playing is your best way to get through this. And and who's, I said, I think the most important thing is with these quarterbacks is follow who, which guys are cutting back on their turnovers, which guys are starting to complete higher percentages as the season goes on. Those are the guys, first downs, moving the stick. Those are the guys that are starting to catch on to the offense. And then, then you got to feel good. They're all talented enough to play. I mean, that's that's the so obvious like Mac part. Jones, right? Mac he Jones is the one stuff. that is what he's done so far. Like he has shown an ability to understand what they're asking him to do. Out of all the guys, physically, he's the most limited guy. I mean, he's not this big arm, athletic quarterback that we're used to seeing. Zach Wilson's Zach Wilson right now. He made some throws last week. They're one of my. That's going to be one of my Louis Locks this week, actually, Ooh. going against Tennessee. But. Zach Wilson showed signs of life for the first time for him this this week, last week against uh, Denver. Showed signs of life. Um, not that he played great, but I was watching. There was throws at whoa, those are NFL throws. You know, Trevor Lawrence will sprinkle one in every now and then. He made a great throw for a touchdown, the shark, but then comes back with that awful decision on the flea flicker and just lobs one up for a pick six. Those are the things you you know you got to eliminate. But these rookies are all talented. It's it's just a matter of is the coach qualified is the culture good enough and are these guys really you know smart enough to take it to the next level physically we know they can do it for people who might have missed it i mean you weren't there in buffalo when right. buddy Nix drafted ej Manuel. doug whaley was assistant gm you know, assistant gm but as humble as all humble yeah. and you know, you almost have to pull it out yep. of him, but he didn't have EJ as a first round pick himself. And we didn't have him rated and that high in New Orleans. You had him as a third or a fourth third in New fourth Orleans. Round. The developmental, maybe yep. he's a starter down the road. I think but most of the league saw him that way. But, you know, you, you get enamored with it. Right. And EJ was so smart. And, you know, obviously you see the, the size and the arm strength and you're thinking, hey, this is. But I wanted to make sure people understood that, I, you know, and it was really incredible for me to go from a scout to a director of personnel to be involved in these meetings. But. When, in 2014, when Kyle Orton was brought in to start over EJ in a strange scenario, because it just seemed that EJ wasn't running the offense to how they wanted it run. And Marone, Whaley, myself, EJ, and we brought EJ's father in. And we're sitting there breaking the news to him that he's getting benched for Kyle Orton. And I remember looking at EJ, watching EJ's reaction with total professional. He looked 
like a high school kid, you know, when was when was EJ Manuel ever failed at anything? Not that he was failing, but when has he ever been benched? Right. Always the star in high school, star in college, just being told he's being benched. Right. His dad was I'm like, it just was a weird it didn't feel right. It felt like do we know what we're doing? You know, I felt like they were looking at us like, what is the plan? Like, wait, you guys drafted him in the first way. It wasn't EJ's fault that we took him in the first round. The bills did. I'm thinking they're looking at us like, well, what's the plan? Like he exactly. was playing pretty well as a rookie. He had some injuries that set him back. And at the time, I believe we were, I think we might've even been two and two when we benched him. Like it was a strange, strange scenario. And it felt, it just felt wrong how everything was being handled from our end and I'm not even saying we were wrong. It just what I wanted to make sure people knew, it, regardless of EJ was ever going to be talented or not, the mental stress that that had to cause him as a probably a 22 or 23-year-old, that's a lot to handle for yeah. anybody, you know, and, and, and being benched is a lot for a guy that's never been benched. So I just remember thinking, man, is this that now you're putting the mental stress on these guys? And that's why I'm watching Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. They're having to go into these press conferences now. And they're when have they had to go to press conferences where they're the reason their team's losing? Or they're they're like, why, why are you throwing all these? They, they don't they've never experienced anything like this. No. The mental we talk about this mental stuff is major. It's huge. And who can who can overcome it? Who can fight through it? And that's what these rookies are battling right now. They're but not only are they battling how to go against these insanely smart defensive coaches that Davis Mills is going to see one this week who didn't play horrible in that Thursday night game mm-hmm. against Carolina, who has a great defense. So, you know, Mills showed me some stuff that was like, mm-hmm. Hey, he didn't look any different than these other rookies. He looked for where they took him. Yeah. They, I would be a little bit, I would be, a, I'd be happy with the situation that he came into. I don't know. You know, we'll see, I'd see a little more and see if he improves, but I mean, these guys all look like rookies. That's all they, it's all it is. I don't think we have to overreact. I think they're all talented, but the mental side of things, the mental, though, Jim, mental. because I mean, it's hard to thread that needle. I agree with you. It's better to play and learn on the fly. It's the only way to do, do it. it. It's the only way to do it. You and know, that's why EJ, that's why it felt wrong. Like why are we, you know, and, and I think we'd established that EJ needed to take a step back because they, they didn't feel like he was picking things up the way they wanted him to. So it was the mental maybe holding them back. But, you know, I just felt like then it just started adding on, adding on to maybe. I mean, the Bears roster isn't okay. very good. But, like, is that maybe what they're, like, they were scared of by I mean, wait, by that, waiting for injury to be the reason they play Justin Fields? That's not, Are they scared yeah. about the mental And then, you, then you put him in a situation where why don't you play – just play to his strengths. Game plan his strengths, mm-hmm. you know. For a guy that hasn't been taking all the starter reps. Yeah, Miles Garrett had a comment, I think, where he was he surprised at yeah. how the Bears they used th- Justin Fields. They thought they'd get him on the move. And what does that and- say? And what do you think Trubisky's thinking about here in Buffalo watching that game? Trubisky probably wanted to call Justin Fields. Oh, yeah. I say, hey, man, I get it. I get it. Because, I mean, what's, what's Nagy done to prove that he's capable to bring along a rookie quarterback? Trubisky's looked pretty good in Buffalo with those small reps. I know it doesn't matter because it's a preseason, but, I mean, there's some ability there. I mean, you feel for fields and you wonder if that was going through his mind in the moment. I'm sure he was more so just he might pissed just that he fell, but like he didn't look like a happy did. camper. You know, when I remember that on draft night. I was thinking he was, I, you're right. I, uh, I was thinking to myself, he was more like, I'm, I'm just angry. I fell, but I wonder, I'm starting wonder. to wonder, yeah. wait, hold on now. This Is this team any good? 
I mean, Quincy Avery, his uh, private quarterbacks coach, he, I thought he put it best, where like Trey Lance is destined to succeed. No doubt. With that Culture. team, the team Justin loaded. Fields might be just every bit as good, if not probably better. He, he was in, better in college. Yeah, look the at the right team situation. around. Him. Is he in the right situation? Do you even know? And what? And that's what's so fascinating about the Favre stuff too. The teams that liked him, the teams that didn't like him. That was like, crazy too. He gets to Atlanta and. They immediately trade for Billy Joe Tolliver, and he's the number two, even though he didn't even practice with the team. Great names. Yeah, they just – Right. He didn't have a guy that believed it. What happens if Ron Wolf doesn't believe in Brett Favre? So, so what happens – Ron Wolf was the only person that wanted him when he was on the trading block. So what Nobody happens, else wanted right. him. So if the Bears get rid of Nagy after the season, right, or midseason, what's Fields thinking now? Like, who's coming in? Who are you bringing in? But you know what I'd do if I was the Bears? I would – I'd get rid of that coach and call it Ryan Day from Ohio State. Yeah. Let's go for it. Right? Embrace it. I've always said that. I always said if you were going to draft Tim Tebow, yeah. just hire Urban Meyer. Totally. And he's, nobody else is going to have success with him. And that's where the McCaskies and Ted Phillips, they seem more so just, okay, as long as the house isn't burning, we're not going to do anything. Well, the house might be burning in yeah. 2020. Wouldn't, wouldn't Day get the best out of fields? I would think. I would I would do everything I can to get that combination. Out of all these rookie quarterbacks, who is who's going to like start turning that corner the soonest? And then who do you like the most long-term? Okay. The soonest has started for me with Zach Wilson. I saw it. and Because I – there's something with his ability that it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. He has shown the most ability to make like special NFL type throws. Trevor Lawrence. I'm not seeing it yet. You were I'm, a little skeptical. I was a little skeptical and I still too. am. Everybody was yes. him. And I was like, hold on now. This isn't the most special quarterback hmm. we've ever watched. And he certainly was good. Um, you know, Mac Jones has is to me his limitations are always going to be there. I'm a you know I'm a Fields guy. I I need to see more of yeah. him. And, and man, it's funny how everybody, especially you know, and the everybody in the talking heads are just. It's almost like people feel bad for him right now. One net <laughs> passing so yard. Bad. One yard of passing. Well, offense. you saw where he was on the rankings. I mean, it was it was bad, but. I just I do feel like long term he can be special. I really do. I I, I love everything about Fields. I still love Trey Lance. I'm excited to see more, but I, I think, like we talked about, it's there's he's not ready yet. Yeah, but if you're San Francisco, but, all right, I want your they, opinion on this game. Yeah. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is not good enough. He's not. He's, he's only not good going enough to take them. So he's far. not good enough. He's, but when is Trey Lance ready to run their offense, the entire offense? I that's you, only but they I think know you put that. in a totally new offense. I think so, that's the point. Like you're that will be interesting. You're running the ball 30 to 40 times now. Yeah. And Trey Can Lance is gonna run that. it 10 to 15 right. times. Like you're just unleashing it's gonna something be fun to see. on the NFL with him. I mean, we all want to see it. I don't know. Like Jimmy Garoppolo, no, I know I've right. interviewed him. He's a nice guy. He's super likable. He's thrown into a tough spot. He took him to a damn Super Bowl. I get I get all of that. They don't want him. They don't want him. I mean, they, they traded three first-round picks they to don't get want him. Right. They want. That's what I'm saying. As soon as he's, as soon as Shanahan, as soon as he feels good about it, he's going in. That drive was impressive, but to me, what stood out is George Kittle. Yeah, just throw the Kittle. Debo Samuel. They have monsters. Use check. Monsters. I mean, those are three monsters, monsters. making incredible, incredible plays. plays. And what, what's that? No doubt. Sandwich between and you see sandwich where he, between Jimmy Garoppolo's turning around and throwing it in the you ground. You see where he is on the rankings and yeah. the yeah. play clock. Yeah, he's not. 
he's not the answer. That's that's inexcusable against Aaron Rodgers. How? Twelve How seconds. do you do that? They've got no timeouts. You've got three timeouts. How is that not factored in? Right. Can't can't happen. I know. I had some nasty messages on that column I wrote Monday saying that he only takes you so far. But I I think that if you're San Francisco, fine. Keep him in there. Win 10-11 games. Make the playoffs. When is the time? You're going to have to rip the band-aid would off they, eventually. God, would they? I mean, what if they are having success? Would he pull the? You know, would he put Lance in there as the season goes? I think we're just going to see more and more of Trey Lance. You know, they're probably trying to do the whole Mahomes behind Alex. Just I mean, don't Alex play Smith that was good enough Alex to Smith win. played well that year, right? Just like Alex Smith was good enough to win in San Francisco, and they right had out. Kaepernick, and they and they, they, said, and they eventually went to Kaepernick, and he took. They saw it. Support. They saw it. They yep. saw it. They that, saw that could be the scenario. They unleashed a different offense. Yeah. Too. I, and that's who he does remind you of a little bit. It's a little, you know, there is some Kaepernick to his there game is. for sure, which is crazy. I think that's in San Fran, like how it works. Like, you know, and I, I tell you what, guilty as charged. I thought the read option was dead, you know, and after Kaepernick was beat out by Blaine Gabbert and all that. But there's still, there's elements of it, of the that's RPOs true. everywhere. And uh, if, if Lance can. I mean, you watch Lamar and how he holds that mesh point to the last it's incredible. second. It's unbelievable. It's and I, I'm telling you, I don't know what happened to Marquise Brown and against in that Detroit game this oh. week. That was that game never that 66 yard field goal didn't need to happen if he catches the ball. Lamar Jackson was making throws yeah. that were phenomenal. He cost phenomenal. Uh, the River Rats a fantasy football win. I'll just say Ooh, that Marquise Brown. I had to hurt. It had to hurt. But Lamar is on it. He's on a level right now. He, he said he's a little. I wonder how he is right now because I did read his. They're going out to Denver this week. That game's interesting. Oh yeah, my top two quarterbacks right now for three weeks: Bridgewater versus Lamar. Well, you know what? That's uh, Louis Locke. That's probably a good spot to close up our yep. main app for the week. And also, before I forget, um, we put it out there on Go Long, and Isaiah McKenzie tweeted out himself. But the oh, yes. Isaiah McKenzie show that's is awesome, going to launch man. Monday. You got it all covered. You got it's, you got GM, former personnel people. You got oh my god, long veteran. Hall of Fame writer McGinn, yourself, and now we got a player in the I, Go Long community. I figured we'll just keep building it up. You know, That's I want to awesome. keep the long. We're not going to sacrifice the writing. We want to keep the features cranking. But like, I know how people Mix consume content differently. Not everybody has time to sit down and read a story for 20, 25 minutes. So pop your headphones in, listen to this podcast, listen to the, the Ty and Bob pod if you're a subscriber. And the Isaiah McKenzie show will be 10 episodes, five of which are going to be live at Mister's Bar and Lanes Love in East Aurora, New York. Love so, it. get your reservation in. Um, all the details on GoLongTD.com. Awesome. So just follow the prompts. We have the five dates up there. October first is the first date. If you are a subscriber, if you're a paid subscriber, you are guaranteed a table. Like you're going to get first dibs. How should Mister's be? knows. That's how should you know? Be. We're going to do something for them. So you get that table. Get to meet Isaiah McKenzie. Get to know him through these uh, episodes. It's going to be. <laughs> Gonna be a lot of fun, you know. I'm, I've talked a little bit about it. The impetus, Jim, is mm-hmm. and as you know, the league as it explodes in popularity, I feel like the fans know less and less and less about the players. And I think that it's a weird dichotomy that as social media blows up, as the game blows up, the league is is becoming more and more controlling. There's there's some teams are better than others. Jacksonville Jaguars, we've talked about it. Come on down, hang out with LaVisca Chanel for an hour, get yeah. to know him. And we put that story out. Other teams Still aren't that accommodating. They're, not, yeah. they're a little more paranoid. They're a little more push the podium. They're a little more centralized messaging. Oh, here's who we have at the press conference today. Everybody write the same story. 
So I just thought with Isaiah McKenzie, here's a guy who's a hell of a lot of fun. He's got an amazing life story. He's fun as hell. I mean, the prank city polls, he talks about covering himself in ketchup when he's 11 it. years old and his grandma thinks he's dead and they're calling the medics. It's scary. Insane. But um, yeah, we're going to have, have a lot of fun. Five of them at Misters, five of them on Zoom, um, exclusively at Go Long. You can see the video, listen to the audio, and we'll also have it out on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, because I know people listen there as well. But I uh, hope everybody listens, it's watches, awesome, and comes on out to Misters. It'll be fun. Nonstop Go Long coverage all week long. That's all. Hey. Got to get while the getting's good. Bless you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll uh, catch you here on the new